North South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast, episode 64. We are at the final push to WrestleMania 19, so it's very fitting that I have one of my favorite guests, um, my my most frequent podcast pal, and that is Mr. Logan Crossland. What's up, Logan? Podcast pal. I'm so honored, uh, but glad to be here once again. <laughs> right. As always, um, mm-hmm. so we are we are right here. It is the the run up now. I forget. Uh, I, I'm starting to get my wires crossed with who's on what team on this. Uh, are you a 19 truther or a 17 truther? Or I imagine you're not. You don't strike me as one who's like an outlier who has like um like you don't <laughs> seem like a WrestleMania three guy or something because I feel like you're not as big on the 80 stuff maybe. So you're a 17 or a 19? I'm a 19 truther. Um, I also re- also really love 30 just because I was there, but uh, 19 is mm-hmm. really, probably the best uh, in my opinion. So, <laughs> right. So, so with that it being it uh, it being your favorite WrestleMania, what have you what have you thought of the build to the show so far? We're, we're getting right into it. Um, it's it's a little wonky. I won't lie. Uh, Raw definitely um, with the World Heavyweight Championship is definitely a, a storyline that not a lot of people think uh, very highly of. Building towards it, it, it kind of makes you know for the most part makes Booker T kind of look lesser than. Uh, and Triple H is pretty good at doing that through, during this uh, reign of terror that he's going through at this point. Um, I, I think the Brock Angle stuff has been pretty solid. Uh, you know, it was real touch and go with all of uh, Kurt's neck issues and all that. Um, But obviously, I think they, as we'll get into in these episodes, I think they're really trying to push the Rock Austin, uh, Hogan, McMahon match as like the two real Mm -hmm. main events. Like the title matches are important, but like, especially Brock Angle, but these, those two matches are like, this is what you're buying it for. You're buying it to see Rock Austin one more time. You're buying it to see Hogan McMahon for the first time in the street fight. So, 
Um, I, I think parts of it have been pretty good, but I, I think for the most part, it's kind of been lacking in some spots. Yeah, as we'll get into, and I've kind of covered it, but like I feel like the the SmackDown side has at least been more focused, I think. Like they mm. kind of know what the story is and they're getting down to it. And we'll kind of see on SmackDown, you kind of see it as they get into this final week. They kind of have everything set. There's not really a whole lot more for them to do except mm. just kind of make sure everything stays heated. Where like Raw is still kind of like, uh, it's a bit all over the place. Like you know what the feuds are, but it's kind of like, I feel like some of these feuds is like a different take on it every week. Like even the rock Austin stuff, like what, you know, we have hurricane involved and then like with Jericho, Sean stuff, we've had test involved for a while. They're just now getting to where it's really focused on Jericho and Sean. And we'll get into on this raw. I feel like the Jericho Sean just in this go home episode is finally really getting into the meat of what the feud is really about. But the shit WrestleMania is like a week away. So um, yeah, mm. yeah, and and like if you watch the video package for the Jericho or Jericho uh, HBK match at WrestleMania 19, it's like everything that they talk about in the promo we'll talk about eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like all from that one week. I mean, some of it's from the Rumble and stuff and how it kind of got there, but most of it's from that one promo that he's going to cut later in, a, in the episode we're talking about. Right. So let's dive right in. We keep alluding to it, so we'll we'll get straight to it. Uh, not a lot of news in this week, so I didn't really get any news notes for this because, I mean, honestly, most of it was just stuff relating to what's happening at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and, which we're already talking about. Anyway, we kind of everything's in place. I imagine we're going to get a, a bit more news in the fallout to WrestleMania, but not a lot. I mean, you you get some, you know, some some uh, Meltzer uh, obituaries, but none. They were pretty obscure, I think, for the purposes of this podcast. Just kind of <laughs> not anybody of real note in, like, uh, you know, this lens of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll just go straight into the show. So we're going to start with the uh, the Raw. This will be the March 24th, 2003 Raw, live from Sacramento, which is going to uh, come <laughs> into play, of course, later. And uh, you had asked me about this. So I've been covering it the last few episodes. And um, I figured out quickly that this must have been – I knew it was going to come at some point. In 03, I didn't really remember the timeline of this uh, mm-hmm. uh, exactly, but we have been, they've turned up the heat on the patriotism, you know, like out of nowhere in the past like three weeks, all of a sudden, like we're getting all these patriotic video packages and montages, singing America the Beautiful. And on this episode, we have Lillian Garcia opening the show with the national anthem, uh, you know, to show how much they love America because <laughs> we are in Iraq at this point. So, but yeah, it feels very strange because like even for WrestleMania, they usually don't do the anthem. They're, you know, known for doing America the Beautiful. So seeing um the anthem on a WWE show is strange, but especially just like on a random raw, just I mean, it's pretty obvious why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, I thought maybe I, I know that they don't do the America the Beautiful at uh WrestleMania, so maybe they just wanted to get it in. Or, or they get a, got in a patriotic song that week uh, just to kind of throw it out there. But I know that they just go straight into the video package and the match at, at, at Mania. So maybe they just wanted to get a rendition of something uh, on the go home here. Right. And so with that, after Lillian gives her uh, anthem, which was uh, – it was all right. There was a few – I thought there was a few odd moments in it or she kind of uh, <laughs> did a few strange things with the notes. But, uh, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, to get into the show itself, Austin comes out for an unscheduled promo, we're told. 
Um, he wants The Rock to bring his ass out here after uh, he hit Austin with the stunner last week. And he says he could, uh, if he wants to bring the guitar out and sing a song, he can come sing a song. Uh, but instead of getting The Rock, he gets Tess, who comes out, because Tess has a, uh, a scheduled match. Tess looks like a complete goob here, as he typically does Big in, uh, in the past <laughs> couple weeks. Because he's instead of coming in and like being a tough guy and being like, hey, I'm about to have a match. Um, despite being like seven feet tall, he, he's very like apologetic. Look, man, I just want to have a match, man. Like, I don't want to <laughs> eat with you, Austin, with sto- you stone cold, man. And so he just gets stunnered. Um, it feels like the test. Well, we know where he's going. He's he's going to pivot into something soon. But uh, you could tell the singles test push is maybe being a bit cool because he def- they did not worry about making him look like a tough guy here against Austin as he just is an Austin fighter eating a stunner. Storm comes out and gets like a cheap pin, which was a good little heel move, or or he attempts to get the pin, I should say. And then Austin comes and does the count and then gives him a stun or two. And uh, Austin goes to ringside by the timekeeper and he plans to just sit at ringside and do the classic taking over the show until I get what I want uh, thing. But I, I like this because I think Austin's been a bit tepid since he's made this return in this rock feud. Like rock has really dominated it. Like, it's been all about Rock's charisma. And Austin, I mean, he's still Austin. He still has that presence, but he hasn't really done a ton of Austin stuff. So I thought this was a good way for him to at least get in before Mania and, like, do some typical, like, Austin, you know, like, rebel badass Austin stuff, taking over the show, giving random people stunners, that sort of thing, just to show he still has that fire. So I thought it worked in uh, in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really well done to kind of get him a little bit more hype going into WrestleMania for their match. Because like you said, it's been a lot of rock and uh, Austin's done a few things here and there, but nothing, nothing. It's really been rock based. Uh, He's been in a lot of segments and stuff like that. But yeah, this was good for Stone Cold to get a little hype going into the show and uh, it'll build as we go a little bit further into it. Right. So we will see uh, that Eric comes out continuing. We're, we're doing some Austin greatest hits here because we've got Austin coming in, giving people stunners. He says he's going to take over the show. He doesn't care. And so, of course, uh, another classic Austin trope is to have the police involved. So Eric's here. He says he has a restraining order. He wants Austin to leave. He's got the police with him. Um, the police are here as Austin's just glaring at Eric. Eric threatens to arrest him. Eventually, Austin starts to walk out, and we see the cops escorting him backstage. So, again, they're like, hey, we got to make sure everybody remembers like remembers what Austin's all about. So we're going to have him stunner people, uh, you know, take over the show and have the cops escort him out. So just, again, making sure we know, like, Austin's still Austin. So I, I thought it was fine, again, f- just for that whole deal. Yeah, just to make, you know. Bischoff looked like a skeezy little asshole uh, getting him kicked out. Uh, I, I made the comment at this point that the AC must have not been working in uh, in the Arco <laughs> Arena because Austin is sweating bullets. And just a few notes uh, going back to when uh, when he first came out, he flips off Charles Robinson, and uh, that makes him my favorite because he flipped off a ref. And then at some point, <laughs> Jr. Uh, basically calls King pathetic for kind of groveling over Stacy as him and Tess come out. But yeah, just a pretty good uh, opening segment, and it just makes Bischoff kind of look like an asshole for getting him kicked out for pretty much no reason. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd, um, I almost didn't even notice Stacy. Somehow didn't notice Stacy because of um, because of t- all I could focus on was Tess coming. I just couldn't believe he just came out and was oh, yeah. so like <laughs> such a big wuss. Like, look, Stone Cold Man, I'm so sorry. Um, Bischoff sent me out here. I just want to have my match. Come on, man. So it's looking. Uh, I'm trying to see when Arco closed. It looked like it. 
it's a little confusing because there's apparently two Arco arenas, but oh Jesus! I'm trying to, well. so I'm trying to, was demolished in 2022. So recently, August 9th, 2022, was demolished. So I was trying to All see right. like because I know it's getting kind of uh, long in the tooth by this point. Well, it opened in '88. Maybe I'm thinking the Cow Palace, but anyway, I was thinking maybe they uh, maybe the building was getting old, but. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it was just Austin drank too many uh, margaritas before or something. Well, I think he was having some uh, other issues that you may get into on your uh, next episode. Uh, uh, all right. right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but with that, after Austin is escorted out, we get the show started proper with our regularly scheduled programming. And that is going to be our weekly uh, Trish Victoria, possibly jazz match. Jazz not included here, at least in the official match but we're going to get a hey a mixed tag like we, we either get like a, a tag match with the women or a mixed tag every week with them so this time trish's uh random partner is going to be jeff hardy and they're going to be taking on of course victoria and stevie the uh deranged um partners here stevie takes a beating from jeff early on uh he takes the old jeff leg drop to the groin Jeff hits a plancha on the Stevie. Victoria hits a spinning side slam on Trish. Stevie runs in and Trish uh, kicks off of him to hit the uh, the Stratisfaction and uh, pretty to uh, pin Victoria, which I thought was kind of odd. Like, and mm. I know I went through it quick, but the match was extremely fast, especially for a tag. Like, it was all about three minutes, but. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. It was pretty much just like Jeff getting in there, hitting his shit. Victoria gets a few power moves, and then Trish wins by kicking off with Stevie. Um, he stooges around, and then she hits the satisfaction. But I thought it was odd that she would just get like a clean pin on Victoria going into the, to the matchup mania. Like, you have two dudes in there who are doing jack yeah. shit. Like, why not? Because you could still have, you know, Trish and Victoria maybe interact, but then have... You know, Jeff pinned Stevie or something. I mean, Jeff could use a win, Lord knows. So mm-hmm. odd that they would go with that as the as the uh as the finish. But uh then we get the like Jeff is in good with Trish. She kinda like uh like I think I wanna say that they did kiss at first and then like he was gonna get another one or like they went like they were gonna kiss, but then Jazz comes out and cocks blo- cock blocks up poor Jeff by laying <laughs> both of them out on the ramp. So uh yeah, the match was really nothing. I thought the finish was pretty cool with uh, Trish kicking off of Stevie, but yeah, it was just kind of excuse to get them all out there and, and talk about the match. So I just want to star on it, uh, Logan. Yeah, I want to star on a quarter just for that. I thought that that uh, finish was pretty creative. Um, Jeff comes out absolutely coated in glow stick jizz. <laughs> uh, uh, call back to Highway uh, to the Apex Zone that we both do. Um, the generic. Uh, uh, Thing throughout the night will uh, be that I hate all the generic d- dubs that all these superstars get, but Victoria's is pretty brutal. Um, I know, it, like you said, I know it's a mixed tag, but it's kind of weird that they give, uh, you know, Trish and Victoria. Yeah, I know it's a triple threat, but they give it away uh, before the pay-per-view. And that'll be a running theme throughout the, this episode and even SmackDown a little bit. SmackDown does it a little better, as we'll get into, but Raw, Raw has a few things, and I'm like, why did they do that? But um, I, I really thought the finish was really cool, and Victoria does this like cool like corkscrew sidewalk slam thing at one point. I thought that was really cool. Um, and as much as it's weird that they kind of matched them up the days before, I think, like you said, it's even weirder that Trish pins are clean pretty much before a big title match. But uh, I like the little part where Jazz came out at the end and kind of took them out. And uh, I think they had kissed the previous week, and then they started to kiss here, and it, they mm. didn't quite get there. 
And then I didn't know if you were going for cold cocked or cock block there, so I was interested <laughs> to see where you went. So. It was both. It was a cold cock, cock block, cold cock block, a little both. But yeah, uh, did, were you buying Jeff as a possible interest for uh, Trish Stratus here, Logan? Uh, Covered low jizz. I don't know. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's been involved. She's been involved with a lot of. She's been involved with a lot of people at this point, so nothing's surprising, I guess. <laughs> Not getting Jeff at his peak here, but no, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Like I get the whole one to get them all out there and like have a match or something, but yeah, the odd uh, just just feels like they're not paying attention to the details completely of like what the finish is going to be. And again, it's just usual what the women like during this whole feud. It just feels a little bit mailed in. Like ah, uh, y'all just go out there and have a uh, let's do another mixed tag. I guess <laughs> here's your ten minute segment. Like, I don't know, like everybody else is like, there's so many of these like personal feuds going on for mania, like in Victoria and Trish and even jazz kind of, they all have some history here. Like Trish and jazz have history. Victoria and Trish obviously do like, why not let, like, let them do some like more promo stuff and make it more of an angle, but I guess that'll be too much work. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that hypes us up for that match and we'll continue backstage with Booker T and Goldust getting hyped for their tag match tonight. Uh, Goldust says that Triple H uh, sounds like a dick, dick, dictator. Uh, <laughs> Booker is worried about uh, if Goldust is a... I like how serious Booker takes it. He's like, oh, you don't sound good, Goldust. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't you don't sound too good, man. <laughs> yeah, like, sounding rough, man. You sure you're okay? Goldust waves it off, though. He says that uh, at Mania, it's going to be uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh, which I thought was a good little line for Goldust. He's just getting Booker T hyped about uh, the Mania match. And um, yeah, I thought it was good. I always loved their chemistry together. It feels like you really get across like Goldust really does seem like he's sincerely rooting for him. And it kind of gets you more in the Booker T because Goldust is a really good promo. And they built enough that these guys are friends and they really do feel like they have a strong relationship. So it does really feel like two fr- like he's rooting on his buddy to like do well. And then you have the revenge thing going on too. But I thought this was a strong promo from these two guys. Yeah, they they have a lot of good chemistry, as you said. And yeah, this is just a really good back and forth between two, them two. It has a little bit of comedy in there with the whole Goldust Tourette's thing and the dick, 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 dictator. Um, but uh, yeah, just just a solid little promo between the two guys to really hype up Booker. I think they, uh, I think as much as they haven't done a good job with Booker throughout the. Uh, maybe lead up to this episode. I think they do a pretty good job with him on this one. Right. I agree. And uh, yeah, Goldust is really good. Like, I don't think it's always talked about. He could, at least in this stretch, he's very good at pivoting really quick from doing like a, a comedy thing, like doing mm-hmm. the stuttering and then kind of getting into a more serious uh, side. And you kind of buy it. Like, it doesn't seem odd. Like it just seems like that's just his character. So <laughs> yeah, we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we now head to Eric. He's with security who tell him they can't do anything about Austin being outside the arena. Uh, he, he can't be in the arena, but the restraining order didn't say anything about him being in the parking lot. Um, he tells coach, Eric tells coach that he's going to make Austin's life a living hell and tells coach to communicate this to Austin. Um, coach looks like he would rather not have to do that. But then, of <laughs> course, Eric being the evil boss says that uh, he doesn't blame him, but if he doesn't, he's going to be fired. So coach is going to have to go tell Austin uh, that Eric's going to make his life a living hell. So we'll catch up with coach in just a second. <laughs> uh, anything from this slogan is just pretty straightforward. Just to, it's more just about the plot points of uh, this whole Austin, the, the show long storyline of Austin being in the parking lot. 
Yeah, just just Bischoff being a dick and poor coach for having to basically go out there and possibly get his ass kicked uh, just to <laughs> tell him that, you know, he, he needs to leave. <laughs> right. All right, we are going to go to a match where uh, uh, I don't think either one of these guys are going to be on WrestleMania, and that's going to be Christian versus Scott Steiner. How quickly Scott Steiner has fallen, mm-hmm. I mean, for obvious reasons, but, you know, to have title matches on the last two pay-per-views and now he's not even on WrestleMania – Kind of shows you his trajectory. Uh, horrible green single. You know, I, I've discovered through horrible you know, we do high, <laughs> right, like highway to the impact zone. We have him in TNA, and I've been very critical of his fashion choices there. This singlet, I don't like him in the singlet look at all. But mm-hmm, this yeah. like horrible green one was just like even worse than usual. Like his flair is just all like it's green, but then he has all these weird symbols and shit on it. Just terrible. Like. He needs like a consultant or something throughout his career on his like I guess he gets like tolerable later, like when he cuts the hair and stuff, like in WWE. I think it is later on, but even here, like he's got he's still got the long hair, the singlet's awful. Mm. Uh, don't like his look. Yeah, single singlet era Christian is uh, not fun. And yeah, uh, it's all in the hair. If he just got rid of the damn hair, I think everything would come into place. Yeah, the, the singlet too. But, you know, w- once he gets rid of the hair, I think he's uh, a little bit more tolerable. And I think he even gains a little bit more confidence somehow. So uh, just right. chop up the hair and you'll be good, Christian. <laughs> yeah, like the singlet makes him look like weirdly thick. I don't really think he's like that mm-hmm. big of a dude. It like makes him look kind of almost like chunky a little bit. I don't know. It's a bad look, but uh, Steiner comes out. He throws Christian right out of the ring. So a pretty sick bump by Christian getting thrown out by Steiner. A lot of typical Steiner offense here. Lots of clubbing, like basic power stuff, like just um, little side slams and stuff. Christian, I thought bumped around well for him, uh, but it's not really super interesting what we have going on. Cause Steiner's pretty slow at this. Like he doesn't have a ton of intensity. Uh, Christian gets a couple moves. Uh, hits a neck breaker. He goes up top, but uh, the most impressive move of this whole match, I could not believe he pulled this off, but Steiner went up and did like a middle rope fallaway slam. And I was like, mm. I think it's the best move he's done since his debut probably, <laughs> but it was pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, and so he ends up uh, beating Christian here. So they're, they seem to be, uh, I guess, kind of trying to heat up. I don't want to say heat him up, but. I guess set him up into this little mid-card role, like heat him down into a mid-card role, but kind of keep him where he can beat. He's still going to beat the Christians of the world, at least at this <laughs> point. But I want a star and a half. Probably a half a star is just for that middle rope uh, following slam because that was pretty sick. Yeah, I, I actually went a little bit higher uh, just because of that. I thought it was I thought it was great. So I, I went two, actually. Um, I, I thought I said the same thing about Steiner. What an absolute fall, uh, you know, not even on the Mania card after being the main event the, or in a title match the last two uh, pay-per-view cards. I thought it was – I mean, I thought the match was perfectly fine back and forth. It was much more competitive than I kind of thought it would be. I didn't expect right. Christian to get much offense in this one. So I, I enjoyed that part of it as well. Um, and uh, I called it like a torture rack suplex, basically from the, right. from the from the middle rope. Uh, I, I thought it was. I thought that move was really great, and it was just something that I was like, "When did Steiner ever do that?" But um, I, yeah, like I said, I went to. I, I enjoyed it more than I ever thought that I possibly could have. So good job. <laughs> right, right. When I saw him climbing the ropes, I was like, "Oh shit, what are we doing here?" Like, <laughs> I just figured he was going to do a belly to belly, but then he like put him up on his shoulder, and I was like, "Oh crap, this is going to end poorly." <laughs> Right, like I don't know. I wouldn't mind Steiner being this in the in the mid card, like just squashing Chris Nowinski or something. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he should have done in the first place. He got straight <laughs> to the main event, and that was his problem. <laughs> right. He was almost doomed by, yeah, that Survivor Series pop was almost like a, a you know, it was like a blessing and a curse for him. Mm-hmm. Double-edged sword. Uh, right. <laughs> Um, all right, so we head back to Coach. He's nervously tells Austin everything that Eric said, and Austin just glares at him the entire time. So <laughs> Coach just kind of <laughs> backs off. So it was, I like uh, Stone Cold with the classic uh, st- steely blue eyes or whatever, staring down <laughs> at Coach. Coach just is like, all right, uh, all right, I'll see you later. And uh, of course, Austin's in the uh, in the Stone Cold like F one fifty, like the O two F one fifty. Yeah, the classic black pickup truck with the giant skull on the front, as if it could be anybody else's. <laughs> Again, hitting all the boxes. We're we're making sure we get all our Stone Cold in before mm. painting it. We got we got cops. He's got the pickup truck. Um, we'll see what happens later. But mm-hmm. all right, we head to Chief Morley, who tells us that Regal and Storm are no longer champions due to Regal's absence. They have not defended the titles in thirty days. You've heard this before. So instead, uh, he and Storm are going to be champs. So he gets some heel heat from that from the crowd because obviously just giving himself the title. Uh, Kane and RVD come in to congratulate them, but then quickly say that they want to have a title shot at Mania. Morley kind of backpedals off of that, and he doesn't. And uh, RVD says he doesn't have the balls to do it. Uh, Morley says that there's another deserving team that may want a title shot, and that's the Dudleys. And so the end of this is they set up a, a number one contenders match for. Um, for WrestleMania, I mean, for tonight to see who will face Morley and Storm at Mania for the title. So just shows you the the status of the Raw Tag Team titles. I mean, I know they're kind of screwed over by Regal, you know, his freak illness that he caught, but uh, mm-hmm. it just shows you they, they have to hurry up and like shoehorn this in, and then it doesn't even end up making the show. I believe this is the Heat match, the uh, the tag title match. Yeah, that that's correct. It ends up on Heat. I wonder when they made that decision because. As we'll talk about on SmackDown, it's in like the featured matches that they put up on the, you know, like the little moving characters uh, screen uh, that they put up uh, when they're talking through the matches for WrestleMania. So I wonder when they made the decision to put that on heat. Um, But yeah, just, you know, (laughs) I I use this as an excuse to say Morley put the titles in abeyance for about a minute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then he immediately awarded them to himself and Storm. But yeah, this is just to set up a match pretty much and to establish that the tag titles were going to remain with storm but morley was going to be his partner going forward they uh they got bumped for the cat fight the uh miller light uh, that might they might that might have been on the fence and they were they, they said yes and they were like oh well tag title match gets bumped to the pre-show <laughs> right. so we will see later who's going to end up with the uh, number one contenders but um with that we'll go to kind of our our mid-show main event if you will like the uh they always have like try and feature something pretty solid in the middle of the show. So we're going to get our tag with Triple H and uh, Flair versus Goldust and Booker T. They don't really mention it, but this, I mean, this is Flair, his return to the ring after. I mean, he hasn't really wrestled since hooking up with Triple H and Evolution starting, but they, they don't really make much of it. They're just kind of like, yep, throw Flair in the match. So uh, I guess they just, I guess they were kind of in a bind because Orton and, uh, and Batista getting hurt. So it's kind of the only person Triple H could uh, tag with. And this seems to be their MO going into Mania, as we'll see, uh, is if you're in a tag match, you go in singles matches. If you're in a singles match, we're going to put you in a tag match to build uh, to Mania. (laughs) So um, Goldust comes out hot right out the gate. So it's laying in the right hands of Flair and Triple H. So good fire from uh, Goldust. Booker comes in off the tag. 
we get a stare down with Triple H. He uh, he goes right at him, lands a nice his little step over Inziguri type move. Uh, he lays uh, lays the chops uh, on on uh, on Flair. So a real good shine for Booker here. He looked like uh, came in like a house of fire. But Triple H then takes over with the cerebral offense, uh, also known as a chop block, takes out Booker's leg. <laughs> Uh, Booker, but Booker's quickly back on him. He reverses. Triple H puts him in the figure four. I'm sorry. Uh, Flair puts him in the figure four. Booker re- reverses that. Hits the hot tag to Goldust. Goldie gets cut off pretty quickly. Uh, double uppercut, and he's back at it. So, uh, uh, Goldust is so good. I mean, I think it's kind of known at this point. He's an awesome tag wrestler. But uh, and all this Booker T and Goldust stuff, which by the way, it is a little odd because they did make such a big deal about them not being partners anymore, and now they're just tagging again. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just so crisp. I mean, he's crisp and all this, but he's he's really awesome on the hot tag because he uh, always loved those. Uh, like he does that drop down uppercut that's always awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but he takes a nasty bump. He goes for like a cross body and just kind of falls under the bottom rope and spills out onto the floor. Uh, they start mm-hmm. working over Goldust. Uh, good intensity in this one, I thought. Like, um, uh, you don't always get that in these Triple H matches because he's, you know, so cerebral and methodical. But I thought they kept the intensity up in this and the energy. Goldust ends up fighting out, but the ref doesn't see him tag Booker. So he gets worked over a little more. Booker T finally gets in, starts kicking everyone, laying everybody out. Things kind of break down into some brawling on the outside. Triple H is bleeding somehow. I guess he got thrown to the post or something. Oh, it's tri- Triple H in 03, he's got to bleed. <laughs> Uh, Booker goes after Flair, but ends up costing him. Uh, he recovers. He gets uh, Triple H comes in. Looks like he's going to put him in the pedigree. Uh, he reverses that into a catapult into the corner. Hits the scissors kick, and Booker gets the win, the pin on Triple H going into Mania. So, um, typical WWE and wrestling logic would make you think that that's not good for Booker. Maybe if this was a couple weeks ago, you might be like, oh, that's good. They're legitimizing him as a threat maybe. But going into, you know, normal wrestling logic tells you if you get this clean of a win going into the pay-per-view, your chances of winning at the pay-per-view are probably pretty slim. Uh, So, but I will say it's the best they made Booker look so far. Like he was feature a lot. He got the most shine in this. I thought the match was real strong. It like felt like a fight. Like it was pretty long, but they kept the energy up. They didn't really go too heavy on like long heat sequences, which I think helped because I think that would have played more into like Triple H's negatives where you can get kind of plotting. So I think uh, the tagging in and out was really good. The crowd got invested in the match because they were, like I said, that's the best they made Booker T look and the crowd is just dying to get behind Booker. So the match itself, very good, but it does not bode well because you're just thinking it's just hard not to think, well, Triple H is bleeding like he's doing everything to make you think, look at me. I'm putting over Booker T. Look how good I'm making it. You know, I'm making him look like a star in this match only to it makes you think there's no way he's going <laughs> to go over at Mania then. But um, besides that, the match itself, I went three and a quarter. I thought it was a very fun tag match and uh, I thought Booker looked great. Yeah, I went three on it. Um, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, Goldust and Flair going at it early gave me uh, early 90s WCW vibes, which made mm-hmm. me feel real warm inside, uh, considering I do the D- Dangerous Alliance pod, and Dustin's a real featured uh, part of that. Flair's not there at the, the time we're at, but um, he'll, he'll be back eventually. I'm sure they had plenty of matches throughout their runs in WCW, but uh, that gave me the warm feels inside. Um, this is another match I can't believe they really put six days before the biggest show mm-hmm. of the year. Um, you know, and, and especially since 
Triple H and Joker end up in the ring a good bit with each other. So, um, and uh, another just one point that really bothered me was like I know Flair's Flair, but he's like old man manager Flair now. So I, I really didn't think Booker should be selling. I mean, he didn't do take a ton of offense from him, but like I didn't think he should be selling from him like six days before his biggest match of his life. So that just bothered me a little bit, but not too much. Um, Triple H and Flair get some good offense on Goldust. I thought they really worked him over well. Um, <laughs> another problem I have with this is just Triple H really have to bleed in this one. I mean, it's a raw tag, <laughs> right. tag match. It's like, you know, I, I, if it's a big pay-per-view match, I get it. But like, it, it, you know, I don't even know where he gets busted open. I think he like hits the steps no. and it's like, like, I, I, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, another weird, weird result, kind of like the opener. Um, I can't believe they let Booker pin him, uh, you know, five, six days before the big show. So, uh, but not a bad match, though. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but like I said, I went three. Really, really good stuff. Right. It, again, he looks good, but it does kind of, it definitely feels like a little, like, a little too late, like too little too late for this, mm-hmm. um, like going into it. You just don't really get the feeling like just feels like th- they're in a rush right before the show. Like, okay, we got to make Booker look good. So people will buy that there's any shot, but it's hard to really feel like you don't feel like the company really has any, it, it seems like he's just going to be like RVD and Kane, and all these other guys. It's yeah. just that WrestleMania is the only difference. It kind of yeah. feels like those feuds, like, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not going to close the show. It doesn't feel like a real main event, like a real world title match. It feels like a, a mid-show world title mm-hmm. match. Yeah. Which will it, be. It, yeah, I mean, it <laughs> it basically just, I feel like they did this just so they should, could make you have that absolute little bit of doubt that maybe, maybe Booker walks away with the title, but it never, never was in doubt before that. And it never should have been in doubt even despite this. And maybe, maybe even less in doubt because he actually got the pin six days before. So, (laughs) yep. Trying to save face for the uh, disaster. The few was to start, but uh, (laughs) after the match, we see flair backstage, giving triple H a pep talk after the loss, tell him like, you're the man, like, He's nothing compared to you, et cetera, et cetera. So there we go. All right. So we'll, we'll head to our other uh, big match from uh, another big match from Raw. Not the other. <laughs> that would be rocking Austin. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we have uh, Jericho to the ring for a, um, a promo here. He, uh, he calls Sean out for a face-to-face. He says, no bullshit. Um, I'm not here to play any games with you. I just want to talk to you man-to-man. So Sean obliges. He comes out. Um, Jericho says that when he came up for wrestling, he wanted to be just like Sean. Uh, and some really cool stuff here is he, he then goes on to show like these videos and it shows, you know, Sean doing moves when he was in the rockers and then Jericho and his very, very early days of wrestling, like doing the exact same moves and they show it side by side, like how he did a moonsault and it was pattern pattern, uh, exactly like Sean's moonsault when he was in the rockers, they show a f- few more of those, like just different moves that he would do. How uh, Jericho had the same promo shots that they so uh, again Rocker Sean and Jericho he had the same like blonde hairstyle and stuff, um, but he also said that he also had the heart like Shawn Michaels and he said that he was going to be the next Shawn Michaels, but he's moved past that he became the first Jericho and he's better than Shawn Michaels when HBK left he took on the same role that Shawn had before he left he Jericho became the showstopper he became the first undisputed uh champion and everyone he's wrestled he's um you know he's most excited to face Shawn Michaels and embarrass him and prove that he's better 
And uh, like at one point he's doing this, and it's it's very serious for a Jericho promo. Like he doesn't do any of his mm-hmm. kind of sticky Jericho stuff. And like at one point, Sean is kind of doing the the tongue in cheek Sean stuff, and and uh, Jericho says, "Look at me, damn it!" And then slaps him in the face immediately. Sean slaps him back, but they don't really like go at it. They just kind of go nose to nose here. So um, I thought it was a great performance by Jericho. Just an excellent promo. Like. I've been wanting them to get to this. It's something I've kind of criticized them for is that I feel like this is the heart of this feud and they've mm-hmm. kind of gone at it a little bit, but this is kind of what I was looking for is like for them to really dig into this. And they did a good job of really going with the details of Jericho, like showing what he looked like, how he modeled himself after Sean. You really buy it. It doesn't seem like they're just making the shit up for this, for this angle. It really does seem like in reality, Jericho did, Maybe not to the extreme that they're making it, but obviously Sean was probably an influence on him. Mm-hmm. And um, like he kept the arrogance he always had, but was more serious, didn't go into the the silly stuff, which he's very good at. But I think for this case, for a big Bania match with this, you know, that's become so personal, I think it's awesome. The videos are a great touch. Is uh, Yeah, and again, my only criticism is I wish they would have just got to this earlier so they could have just let this simmer for longer rather than just now getting into it really in in earnest like six days before the show yeah absolutely i thought it was absolutely great um just all all the videos were awesome and you know like i said like i was saying earlier when you asked me about the whole build of 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 it all this is like you know when they showed the video package WrestleMania, it's all about like i wanted to be you i wanted to be just like you and it's it's this whole promo pretty much is the whole thing they show the you know him blooding him at the rumble and all that kind of stuff but um the whole all the talking and all the kind of stuff is all this one promo um so it, it obviously stood out and it was obviously great and everybody at WWE obviously really thought it was something special and they wanted to make it the the centerpiece of the promo package that they do at WrestleMania. So, um, yeah, just great stuff. Jericho, you don't get him super serious all the time, like you said. So, uh, it was good to see him really lock in and, uh, you know, deliver something that, you know, like you said, it may not have been genuine, but I think that there's a part of him in there that mm-hmm. he wanted to be like Sean, uh, when he was younger. So, um, and maybe not completely patterned himself after him, like he kind of said, but, you know, I think there was a hinge of truth in there. Um, and uh, Jericho was wearing my favorite uh, checkerboard outfit that he always mm-hmm. used to pull out for the random <laughs> highlight reels throughout the year. <laughs> right. But yeah, it definitely got me hyped for the match. Like, um, absolutely. Right. It made you want to see. I mean, it's it's a match that kind of could sell itself just on the two guys. But yeah, mm-hmm. I liked how it did. But yeah, I, I, I definitely think there's, there's definitely truth to it. Like, do I think it was just his one idol? Probably not. But I'm sure he was like. You know, the Rockers, uh, like probably Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man, like it was definitely probably in his um right in his mm-hmm. house. So yeah, yeah but really well done and um yeah, just awesome stuff from us too. So mm-hmm. got me hyped for the match. Absolutely. All right, we'll go to um we get our first rock appearance of the night. He tells Bischoff that he has a great idea for tonight. Uh Bischoff is skeptical because uh he says that every time the rock has a good idea, he ends up getting his ass kicked, which I thought was a funny line. <laughs> um and as always, I just always love how dismissive Rock is when anybody has like any concerns. Like he just like he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Eric. You did fine. You handled Stone Cold, which is like, I don't know what reality's in. Like he just dismisses <laughs> it totally. Like ah, oh, man, you did the karate. You got him. <laughs> like clearly he didn't. Um, he says that. Uh, <laughs> he said uh, 
Austin's waiting in the parking lot because he doesn't want to miss the Rock concert. That's why he's sticking around, not because he wants to beat up the Rock. Uh, so why don't they do this? They're going to take some speakers, get the crew out there. He says, call Chief Morley whatever, or whatever his name is. He calls him Tom Hawk. <laughs> but he's like, get the crew out there, put some speakers out there, and then Austin could listen to the concert from outside. So just, you know, Rock doing Rock stuff. I thought Eric was good here. Like, he just sounded so downtrodden. Like, he's like, you know, man, every time he... <laughs> have a good idea i just get my ass kicked but uh just good rock stuff just all these little lines like calling chief morley tomahawk like completely dismissing <laughs> eric's uh you know just pretending like eric didn't get his ass kicked by stone cold it's so good yeah i was gonna say the the the, the vague racism by uh rock there with the chief tomahawk part <laughs> um but yeah just great stuff um rocks an all-time performer and this is just one of those segments that uh puts that across so really good stuff Right, and just the absurdity of like putting the speakers in the parking lot, which they're actually going to do in a second. Which is and they're amazing. so gigantically huge. <laughs> yes. so. Right. Um, we'll see them in a second. But before that, we're going to get our, our big number one contenders from match to see who gets to fight on uh, Heat and doesn't make actual WrestleMania. That's going to be RVD <laughs> and Kane. So, again, not to keep going back to the Triple H thing, but here you have RVD and Kane, the two <laughs> victims of Triple H fighting for the number one contender spot to be on Sunday night heat before WrestleMania RVD not going to be on the, on the, uh, on the full WrestleMania card. Just want to point that out. <laughs> um, nice pace out the gate by these guys, lots of tags in and out. Uh, Devon pulls Rob off the top and slams him on his neck. Like, I don't even know what move it was. He just kind of pulled him off and slammed those pretty vicious. Mm-hmm. Kane gets in, he starts doing his Kane stuff, which is pretty good at this point. I think, Kane can go pretty well. He starts laying in the uh, the closed lines and the big uppercuts. A couple slams. The Dudleys come back. They uh, they uh, double team Kane to kind of get an advantage over his power. He had a double flapjack on him. Rob flies in and starts kicking them. And but at this point, uh, Morley runs in. Storm inadvertently kicks Devon instead of uh, RVD. And in the confusion and the fracas, RVD and Kane end up getting a choke slam and a five star for the win. So. They end up beating the Dudleys to be number one contenders. I thought this match was pretty fun. Like, uh, I thought they worked a pretty good pace. Like, they um, like they didn't really go for any kind of, like, heat segments. Like, they didn't have anybody getting worn down. I guess because they didn't have, like, a face-heel dynamic that much. Because uh, the Dudleys, I guess, were sort of your heels in this case. But, uh, yeah, they just went for, like, a quick pace and lots of quick tags, which I thought worked well for the style of all these guys. So, and they would go two and a quarter. Um Makes me wonder what the hell they're going to do with the Dudleys, but definitely the right team won, I thought, in this case. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I went two and a quarter as well. Um, it, it does make you wonder what they're going to do with the Dudleys, but I I, I want to say this goes a little bit further and then maybe they break off again. But um, RVD's kicks are always pretty, look pretty good and uh, snug. Uh, I always like his kicks that he delivers. Um uh, that I called it a really gross neck breaker that Devon does from the middle rope. Uh, I thought that was really nasty for sure. Um, I, I I wrote down that I love that supposed heel Bubba Ray uh, has the face patriotism on his tape. Uh, he has USA on his tape uh, in red, <laughs> white, and blue. So he was. I mean, he's not really a heel. I guess he's just helping you know Bischoff out or whatever. But uh, I love that he had that. I, I thought that was funny. Um, but I, I thought the. Um, but Bubba does this weird like hip lock brain buster move on RVD at one point. I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool and uh, kind of gross looking at the same time too. Uh, 
RVD does a really good job of selling stuff where he lands on his face or his head. So um, <laughs> that was another really cool move. And then I like the finish of the distraction and kind of the uh, choke slam and uh, frog splash uh, combo. So I thought that was really cool. But like I said, I went two and a quarter just like you. Yeah, it's when you see these matches that are pretty good like this and they get a little bit of time. I mean, it wasn't super long. It just makes you wonder, like, they, they have enough talent to, like, do a tag division on Raw. And it would just help mm-hmm. them so much on Raw, like, fill some of this empty space that they have. Like, you see it on SmackDown. They utilize it really well with the tag matches to just, I mean, it's like filler, but they, like, it gets everybody over. Like, you have teams, like, on SmackDown, like the FBI, who, like, at least gives them a spot to do something. It just makes you, because I watch this and I want to see RVD and Kane on, on SmackDown where you have actual tag matches because they would kill it. But mm-hmm. instead, they just kind of are stuck on Raw where there's really not a whole lot of direction. So kind of a bummer. Big mm-hmm. Um, But all right, we head to the parking lot where we see the crew uh, setting up the, as you said, Logan, these enormous speakers that they look like they got out of someone's garage, like like DJ's weddings or something. Like It's like the damn speaker on uh, Back to the Future that Marty like explodes when he first, (laughs) the very beginning. (laughs) And like, uh, I love Austin look at him too, like they're insane. Like he's like, what the hell is going on here? Hell son, Uh, what are y'all doing? Those are some giant ass speakers. (laughs) Damn pal. <laughs> um, but with that, we are already. I mean, we we've kind of flew through it, but we're already at the rock concert. Uh, so um, we have rock coming out. Yes, his uh, his. Uh, so me and Eric talked about this, but if you if you want to watch this, you're gonna have to go to the YouTube because uh, the one you're gonna find on Peacock is is very odd because it just kind of goes. He comes out, he sings nothing, he says one thing about Willie Nelson, and then we cut straight to Stone Cold coming after him. So. Um, you can just check it out on YouTube and you can actually get the songs. But the first thing I love was that rock has the, uh, the Garth Brooks, little skinny, like head mic thing, like headset mic, (laughs) just all the little touches. Like he has his little table, his stool. He's got the, uh, the Perrier next to him. Mm. (laughs) Um, and then he, he, the first thing he does is go in on Sacramento. The best part about being in Sacramento is that he's going to leave in about an hour and a half. So that was good. Um, his first song is uh, Leaving Sacramento He talks about uh, how they have some fat ass women And Rock is just going to say no And then probably the most memorable line Of the whole Rock concert is when he says uh, I'll be sure to come back When the Lakers beat the Kings in May And so that obviously gets uh, Huge heat here Because the Kings were, were legit at this time They just couldn't get past the Lakers I remember watching it That was probably like the first time I watched basketball Like I was old enough to really watch it and get into it. I remember watching the Lakers and Kings and rooting for the Kings so bad. Cause like the Lakers were like the biggest heels to me. And mm-hmm. so I remember this and I remember like so many people. So it's just such a great heel, like, <laughs> like to back the Lakers and it fits the Hollywood rock thing. So it's just so good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was going to say, this is very telling of the time for sure. Cause obviously the Kings nowadays, I think they're actually not bad this year, but uh, nowadays they're pretty trash uh, almost every year. So uh, the fact that they were at the tops uh, and just couldn't quite uh, squeak past the Lakers uh, for the few years before this. And I think even maybe the year that uh, you're in right now. Um, But yeah, uh, very, very good line, a very good open to the segment for sure. Right. It just like 
just that Rocky's so good with like these specifics, like that they're in Sacramento and he could have just did some like generic thing crapping on the Kings, but that he went so specific, like <laughs> that they're going to lose to the late, which is like the truth. It's really what happens every time. So it's just he's so good at like really going deep on it. He like, it could easily just be generic, but he makes sure to add these little details that are so good. Um, so then we, uh, we cut back to Austin. Who's just like pacing, going back and forth in the parking lot, like kind of seething, they would then go back to uh, to uh, his next song, which is set to the tune of Hound Dog by Elvis, but it's Redneck. So, you ain't nothing but a redneck. Uh, <laughs> your bald ass. What do you say? Uh, your bald ass must be high. You can't be mixing beer with yeah. those funny cigarettes. Just say whatever the hell he wants. Uh, we then go to his uh, Willie Nelson song, which, of course, he has the Willie Nelson autographed guitar. Uh, and then he's it's um, on the road again. I can't wait to whip Boston's ass again. Uh, he, he's so giddy to it. So good. He's so like he's so tickled with himself by all this bullshit he came up with. Uh, and you can tell he really is like legitimately enjoyed himself doing this dumb shit. Um, and then he finishes it off. Um, his final. He gets to his version of my way, which is the rocks way. And so as he's getting into that. I did it, Rock's way. And I think he says some <laughs> shit about beating up Stone Cold. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So if I were to ask you, what, what was your favorite of the uh, of the uh, the rock concert songs before we get to how this all ends? I, I mean, yep. I, I can't I can't see the word Sacramento or read it or hear it without thinking of that song. So I'd probably have to go with that one. But Rock's Way at the end was uh, pretty solid. I think that was obviously an homage to uh, Pat Patterson, who's uh, I think is like, uh-huh. really well known for singing that song a lot, mm-hmm. at, like karaoke and stuff. So uh, that would that would probably be my second favorite. But I got to go with the Sacramento song. <laughs> <laughs> right, I kind of forgotten some of the other ones. Like, I definitely forgot the Hound Dog one. But oh yeah, dropper, you ain't nothing but a redneck. <laughs> Bald ass must be high. <laughs> Good. Um, but at this point, uh, we then cut to we cut back outside the parking lot. We see that there's an ambulance cruise again, and of course he can, like he doesn't rock doesn't let anything go. He laughs and says, "Oh, the girls must have fainted. They got to come rescue some girl because she fainted because of the rock." Um, but then he sees Austin's truck behind it and he starts panicking. This is another thing that he's so good at in this Hollywood. Like we talked about anytime, like he's all laughy and jokey and everything's a big joke. But when something goes wrong, like his face <laughs> of panic is so good. Yeah. Like he just immediately freaks out. Um, but then he like, he, he starts panicking, but then he's happy again because he's like, he sees that the cops are there. He says, Oh, we got Sacramento's finest. I got nothing to worry about. But then the glass breaks, the truck rolls in he panics again, but then he sees that it's hurricane driving it. So then he's okay again. And he's, then he's, he's like at ease. He's like, ah, whatever. It's just a hamburger. <laughs> Rest the hamburger. And then he said, what, uh, he shows me nuggets up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> decided no, I wrote that down. I was, I thought that was hilarious. What a random line to throw in right. there. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's just a hamburger rest his ass. He shows McNuggets up his ass. Who cares? <laughs> um, so he then thinks he's got the whole thing figured out. They've got, it was just a hurricane. He has nothing to worry about. So he starts another song. And because the way he's set up, he's facing the hard cam. He's not facing the ramp. We see that Austin is actually hiding in the truck bed under like a blanket or whatever. Um, he doesn't notice. And uh, Austin comes to the ring and starts beating his ass. 
Um, Rock ends up bailing out, but he realizes that he forgot his precious Willie Nelson guitar. Stone Cold gets it. Um, he's uh, trying to lure Rock back into the ring. Rock starts coming and then uh, like coming to get it. And he throws it on the ground, <laughs> threatens to stomp it. Rock continues to try and get there. And then finally Austin gives it a stomp. And again, the Rock's reaction is just so good because when he finally stomps on it, he just, it's like it's a voodoo doll or something like he's getting kicked. <laughs> so good. Um, but we kind of end on that. And that's, uh, so Austin kind of gets the last laugh when he uh, crashes the uh, the Willie Nelson guitar. But yeah, I mean, it's an all-time segment. It's like a super famous one. It's, you know, I'd say the hurricane stuff and this for sure are like the two most you know, remember things The this beat the Kings in May line is like, like you said, when you see Sacramento and like, it's unforgettable. Like even 20 years later, he's just so entertaining. Like just the way he like switches from being a troll to panicking to being a troll again is so good. Um, and it just feels like it's him being him. Like it, like it seems so spontaneous, you know, he's just throw like the chicken McNuggets up the hash, you know, he's just like coming up with that off the top of his head, just saying whatever the hell he wants. And, uh, you know, you do get the classic. I mean, it's definitely all rock in this. but And then you get Austin doing Austin stuff, like driving the truck down. Like I said, it's the greatest hits of Steve Austin on this one. But, I mean, I guess the critique would be like, well, it doesn't really push the story of, like, Rock and Austin and their final showdown at Mania or whatever. But it's like by the end, you don't even give a shit because it's just it's so fun that it's like, <laughs> who cares? Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing's all-time stuff. Uh, this run just, you know, proves that Rock can, uh, has the crowd in the palm of his hands. He's an absolute heat magnet on this one. Um, I thought the Hurricane diversion was fu- was funny. Um, and the fact that he, like, emerges from this big old truck and tiny little Hurricane pops out. <laughs> was a really funny visual. Um, the Chicken McNuggets up the ass thing was just so <laughs> funny and so unnecessarily said, but it was just so funny at the same time, but just out of nowhere. Um, and the damn rattlesnake destroys the Willie Nelson guitar. I felt like that would have meant a lot more to Stone Cold in the long run than it would have <laughs> Rock. But, you know, it seemed like a little bit of the Rock's heart got stomped out when that happened because, like you said, he sells it so well. So, but yeah, just all time stuff, uh, you know. Like you said, maybe it doesn't push the the you know hardcoreness of the of the brawls and the fights that these guys have had throughout the year, or the or the feud that they've had, or at the fact that this is their last showdown or whatever. But I think they have enough of a brawl there at the end uh, before the uh, guitar gets stomped that uh, it, it did a good job of building building forward. So right. just great and stuff. It, mm-hmm. And it, it, like it has been Rock's character in the Hollywood Rock run is that he's basically like a troll. So it does kind of fit that. I mean, like, it doesn't get into their history of, like, well, you know, they he's never beat Austin at Maine and all this. But it does fit his character because it's just, like, this arrogant troll, like, Hollywood guy now that just wants to put on a show. Like, he doesn't even really care about his Austin match that much. <laughs> he just wants to go out there and, and be an asshole. So it works in that way. But, Absolutely. yeah, it's, yeah, he he kills it. It's it definitely rewatching all this. It definitely... Like, I would say it's probably even better than I remembered it. Because, like, you forget all these little details. Like, you remember the big lines, like, but it's all these throwaway lines. Like, I know when JT was on, we, we were dying at all these throwaway lines. Like, the McNuggets up the ass. and uh, <laughs> What does he say about, uh, like, Grimace? <laughs> Grimace oh, yeah. and uh, Mayor McCheese and just all these. <laughs> it's like he knows every character of the fucking McDonald's extended universe. <laughs> uh. And Chief Tomahawk, just everything, just 
he's such an idiot, but you just love him at the same time. <laughs> now, we were both baffled by this because so you have that, this like all time angle, but that is not how the show actually closes. The way they close it, the last like 20 minutes of this Raw, and we're not going to rehash it because I've covered it already in detail, but we just get like replay, like literally just replays of like the two main angles from SmackDown. We get the Vince contract signing with Hogan and then like all the stuff that happened with Angle and Brock with Eric Angle on last week's SmackDown, which is so odd. I mean, I get what they're doing. Like, I guess they think Raw has maybe a different audience or something. And so they want to feature those two big angles just as like a hard sell to to mania and i guess the idea is like they didn't want to do it before because then maybe have people tune out and miss you know the big stuff but it was just an odd way it seems like you'd want to go out on that hot angle mm-hmm. but yeah so just strange and then they just come back to jar and king they're like telling us like all right we'll see you at mania so just an odd kind of weird flat way to go out um on this go home raw before mania yeah i mean i definitely would have ended with the concert um I, I get where you may maybe maybe you would have lost people in the middle, but I think the the idea of you know the rock just appearing in general, especially singing and doing like a whole thing on his own, I think that would have been enough to sell the end. And people would have if they left, they might would have come back. So, um, but yeah, just weird. It, I, and I even honestly probably would have been okay if they just why well, wouldn't have been okay, but it would have been. Uh, better to me to just show the angles and like be like you know before they do it like King say hey, King and Jr say hey uh, we'll see you at Mania but we're gonna show you these two clips to kind of get you a little bit more hype for it but the fact that they come back to him afterward is just like what are you doing <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so awkward yeah yeah it's just weird that they would replay the whole thing and not just mm-hmm. not just yeah, like clips, run down yeah. the car like run down the card or something but like fully replay it was like they were trying to kill time. I don't know. Strange, yeah, but that makes sense. Anyway, that's how we end with some footage from SmackDown. But <laughs> um, overall, I think this was better than a lot of what we get on. It was a, you know, it was definitely wasn't about the in-ring stuff, even though I thought we did get a pretty good match in that tag match. But um, I thought the Mania hype stuff delivered pretty well. Um, the Jericho promo was awesome. The Rock concert is like you know super memorable, and that's an all-time one. The tag was good, and then they kind of f- at least featured the other stuff, like set up the tag match and stuff. So I think between the Jericho promo and the Rock stuff and then having that kind of fun tag in the middle, I thought it kind of carried this to a lot better than what I usually go on Raw. So I actually went six and a half. A lot of it is on the the Rock concert. Yeah, I went I went seven. I went a little mm-hmm. higher, but uh, it's, it's carried by the – the two promos that you were talking about. Uh, but the match was also very good. And even the RVD Dudley's match, RVD Kane Dudley's match was pretty good too. So um, it did some good building. Uh, some of the stuff may have been a little confusing, having people pin people that they're going to face uh, later on that week. Uh, but, you know, it, it it's just what they do. Like you said, they just throw together uh, singles feuds into tag matches and tag feuds into singles matches, as we'll see on SmackDown. But um, yeah, I, I thought of of the run that you're going through right now, I think this is a definitely one of the better Raws that you're going to cover. Mm. So, um, yeah, definitely good stuff. Yeah, I thought the pacing was a lot better than they usually have on these mm-hmm. Raws. Like, it, it kind of moved. They didn't try and jam a bunch of shit in here, like, that I had no interest in seeing, like, some shitty match between, like, Maven and <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to. So that was refreshing. Yeah. All right. So um, we'll, uh, we'll pivot to um, – 
we'll pivot to SmackDown. We have uh, the March 27th, 03, live from San Jose. And so SmackDown is pretty much, over the last couple of weeks, it's once they figured out the angle injury stuff, they're kind of got everything set. Like, they know what their feuds are. They've been building them and building them. So we'll see how they go home. Because they don't really have, as opposed to Raw, which maybe was trying to make sure they get everything in because they had maybe slacked a bit um, in getting to the point. We'll see what SmackDown does because they've been a little bit better at that. So, um, but we open up with a pretty hot tag match. This is um, this seems right up your alley, Logan. We have Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore versus um, <laughs> Ray Mysterio and Brian Kendrick, the newly hired Brian Kendrick, finally officially hired. So a cool match. I thought the Ray Brian Kendrick uh, team was a pretty cool little random team to see. Um, I, I had that exact note actually. <laughs> right, like just uh, like a fun little uh, like cruiserweight team, but. Um, our Matt facts are that Matt will make WrestleMania success. And like maybe the greatest Matt fact ever is that Matt just Matt is very humble, which is amazing. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Like, which, first of all, it's like an opinion. <laughs> but uh, so we start off Kendrick. The one thing I've liked about him, like for a Cruiseway guy, I find since he's shown up here, like Brian Kendrick really lays his shit in like. He has some chops in here that is absolutely sick. Like, he is stiff, man. Like, he takes stiff bumps. Like, his offense is stiff. Like, it's it's awesome. But uh, Matt and Ray go at it. They just get a few shots at each other. So, they don't really go at it too much here, but just, like, more of a tease for the matchup mania. We then get down to uh, Matt and Kendrick. A uh, nice sit-out powerbomb by Matt Hardy. Just furious pace, like you'd expect from all these guys. Um Kendrick is super fun, just like a ball of energy. Ray comes in, he takes out Matt's legs, hits his little springboard leg drop. Matt doesn't see a tag, and uh, that makes he misses uh, Kendrick coming in and hits him with a tornado DDT. Um, it gets a little helter skelter here uh, as the two young guns are going at it, so that was a cool little moment. Um, Kendrick hits the sliced bread, but Matt sneaks back in um, unbeknownst to Kendrick and uh, ends up sneaking a twist of fate on Brian Kendrick, but um and uh picking up the win that way. But post match Ray gets the six one on nine, the six one nine on Shannon to um kind of get a little bit of shine despite um his team taking the loss. But Matt gets the last laugh as he um lays um Ray out at the end of uh at the end of this. So but uh yeah just a real fun opera just breakneck pace um and I kind of said at the beginning, but like, I'm really digging Brian Kendrick. Like he's never been a guy, like I always know he's talented, mm-hmm. but like, I, I don't know if I've seen enough of his stuff really to ever get super into it. But like, I've really dug him coming in. Like he's been like, he just has kind of a different style than everybody else. Cause he works this cruiser style, but it's, it's almost like kind of indie and that he just like, like I said, he'll just like kill himself, like take these <laughs> sick bumps and stuff. But I went three on this. Ray's always amazing. He's just Chris. Uh, Matt can go with all these cruiserweight guys. Um, yeah. Just awesome stuff here. Three, three stars for me, Logan. Yeah. I went three stars as well. And you, you hit the nail right on the head when you said I would really enjoy this one. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for some reason, I really love the pairing of Hardy and more during this, uh, during this run. And uh, more has somebody that throughout your podcast I've I've been really impressed with uh, uh with him coming into highway maybe he'll put some of that uh into into effect uh, <laughs> with what we watch but uh I'm I'm not going to get too ahead of myself on that one but uh like you said Kendrick has been great since he's came in and Ray's obviously awesome um like you said uh and I said already but the team the team of Mysterio and Kendrick is really intriguing and cool um 
they do uh, like the little uh, Cesaro swing into the drop kick that uh, him and Sheamus used to do. I think that's a tag team uh, move that needs to be done more often. I think it isn't used enough, but I thought it was really cool how they pulled it off. Um, I don't think this needs to be said, but Hardy's pants are absolutely ridiculous, um, as <laughs> always. Uh, I just needed to point that out. Um, <laughs> the sit-out powerbomb by Hardy was pretty sick, um, and the Tornado DDT that you talked about that Kendrick did was amazing. I really thought that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, really solid back and forth uh, cruiser match. And this, this, th- if this started out, you know, if this kind of match started out SmackDown every week, uh, it's automatically a really good episode because these cruiser tag matches that they open with a lot of the time is just the perfect way to start a start a show. I think this is this is exactly how it needs to be done. So great stuff. Right. I'm all in on the Brian Kendrick run. I want to see where this, because I don't really remember much about him in this era. Like, I don't know how long he sticks around here or whatever, but I'm definitely intrigued to see where the rest of his 03 goes. <laughs> um, um, all right. We now cut to Hulk Hogan showing up with Jimmy Hart and uh, a very young Nick Hogan, uh, pre, pre uh, Nick Bad Hogan issue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Or like vehicular manslaughter or whatever the hell. <laughs> so um, he's just a, a child still here. So, um, But we then get the, uh, as we've been getting, all these little kind of quick little videos of these random figures giving their thoughts on the Vince Hogan feud. We get Piper here. It's like your typical rambling-ass Piper from this era. Like, uh, I don't know. I honestly didn't even know what the what his thesis was and all this. I don't know. I just remember at one point he said something like, it's either McMahon or McNothing. I have no idea what he was getting at. I don't know if yeah. you had any sense of it. No, I, 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 I couldn't. You were right. Just complete nonsense, like always with Piper. <laughs> Especially this age, Piper. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just nonsense. <laughs> it's either McMahon or McNothing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we get a re- nuggets up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a recap of the contract signing that if you've watched, if you've been, if you watched all the WWE programming at this point, you've seen it when it happened, you've seen it on raw and now you just saw another recap. So Vince is making sure he gets a shit in here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all right. So we get Hogan coming out to, uh, cut a promo. He soaks in the cheers per usual. Anytime you're watching these Logan, if you, um, when Hogan comes out, just leave him play. If you need to go take a piss, you need to go get a drink of water, just let the Hogan's entrance play. Because, first of all, walk away. You'll miss the terrible dub. And then it's oh, just going to be the crowd oh. che- cheering cheering for him for about six straight minutes before anything actually happens. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so he, he does that whole deal. Finally gets the mic. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Taz said, <laughs> so, um, I think he said, like, oration instead of ovation here. He's like, look at him. Take it in the oration. <laughs> Taz is on his bullshit on this one. Um, But they're really trying to... It's not something they've hit on a whole lot in all the build they've done to this, but I thought on this episode going into, like, as they go home, they're really trying to push the whole this could be Hogan's final match thing. Like, I think that stipulation's kind of been buried in this, but they're trying to make, like, hammer it home on this. Mm. That if Hogan... And, like, that's kind of the, the focus of his promo is, like, will this be his last match? Um, he says Vince fears Hulkamania. He's seen Vince do hun- underhanded and illegal things, which is um, <laughs> kind of yeah, a funny really. thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it took him to 
it took him until now to see how truly mentally twisted Vince is. And he says that it's going to be a street fight. And he seems to be questioning all this because he doesn't know what Vince is capable of. Um, I love the sign they cut to in the crowd that has like a cheesy Vince pick on it. And just says Satan himself uh, is the caption, which is great. Uh, Hogan then says it's going to be a fight like we've never seen. Hogan that we've never seen. Um because he's going to go to new highs, and if he has to, he's going to go to new lows. Win or lose, he will. Uh, one thing's true: he's going to leave Vince in a pool of blood, and then he spikes the mic. Um, so, it was a long promo, but I thought this was pretty strong as far as Hogan goes. Like, um, he never lost my attention. Yeah. Like, I thought he, it felt pretty sincere. Like, he didn't. I felt like he did a good job of not. Like, he actually had a point in this. Like, kind of questioning if this is going to be the end of his career. That, you know, his main goal, honestly, is not even, he didn't even really care if he ends up, you know, losing his career. He just wants to beat the piss out of Vince. You know, like, I thought it was really good. Like, he didn't fall back on his, you know, normal Hogan tropey bullshit. Like, it felt like a true, like, he felt like he was speaking somewhat naturally, which I thought was good. Like, um, like laying out the stakes that, you know, like, he may lose his career. He establishes Vince as a threat because Vince, you know, even though Vince is not you know, a wrestler per se, he's a maniac. And so that's all like, you never know what he's capable of. So, and then putting over that the, it's going to be like a violent fight. So I thought it was really effective at just like a final good, like hard sell promo for the, uh, for the Hogan Vince match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I even felt, felt like he kind of, he kind of seemed like emotionally shook. Like he was like mm-hmm. nervous that, you know, this may be his last appearance on SmackDown that might be his last match on, on Sunday at WrestleMania. So I think he did a really good job of conveying that, you know, he was like, you know, he, he, he was, you know, not worried, but you know, that was in his mind. That was in the back of his mind. But I think as he got further in the promo, I feel like he kind of picked it up and got more intense with it as he started talking about the street fight and what he wanted to do to Vince, how he wanted to bloody him and leave him laying in a pool of blood, even whether he lost or won. So I think he did a real good job of kind of conveying you know, there may have been a little worry in his in his in his heart or whatever, but he really wanted to just get vengeance on 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 Vince and um, just uh, really really take it to him on Sunday and bloody him up and hopefully beat him and uh, continue his career. Yeah, I dug the spike in the mic thing too. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I really enjoyed that at the end. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know, I think the argument with this feud is that like maybe it's been overexposed. Like they pushed a little. Like it's taken up too much airtime, yeah. but. I mean, I think it's delivered. Like they've had some killer stuff throughout this. Like, I think it's some of the most, some of the yeah. strongest build they've had for Mania. Because, and I think part of it is because they have to get creative. Because you're not gonna have like, like you're not gonna do like you do with everybody else and have Vince, you know, go work a tag match or something to build this. So you have to like find these other ways to build it. And I think it's kind of helped. So, because I mean, yeah, I thought this is awesome. Like, yeah. probably best promo I've seen from Hogan since they started the podcast. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is one of those, the match has to deliver if it doesn't, if it's not great and brutal and just as awesome as it, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that it is, um, it, it, um, yeah, it, it probably wouldn't have come off as well. And maybe a lot more people would have dug into it and said like, yeah, this got kind of overexposed, but I think for the most part it delivers and a lot of people really enjoy that one. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and not like out of the realm that this could be it for Hogan. You know, what I mean, he's obviously older, and it kind of yeah. seems like this is there's not a whole lot left for him to do after this like nostalgia run. I mean, obviously, it doesn't end up happening, but it doesn't. I think in '03 it wouldn't have been like out of the realm. So, exactly. 
All right, so we get a uh, we'll go to a match to uh, hype up the uh, the tag team triple threat at Mania. So we're gonna get Eddie Guerrero versus Charlie Haas. So just one half of two of our teams from that match. So uh, Haas goes for some arm work um, early on. I thought it was some pretty cool stuff. I thought he was busting creative shit. Um, mm-hmm. It's a hammer lock, like he puts him in a hammer lock and like drops Eddie on the ropes, throws him into the posts. Um, Eddie starts firing back, but Haas cuts him off. So I kind of like how relentless Haas looked in this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're expecting Eddie to kind of fire up and come back at him, but he just is relentless. So it kind of shows that they're kind of taking Kurt's, like kind of Kurt's intensity, which I thought was cool. Nice bridging suplex by Haas. Eddie ends up um, ends up winning the match, though, because after all that Haas offense, uh, he goes up for like another arm maneuver. I don't really know what he was going for, but Eddie kind of twirls around them and then kind of twisting twists them into a, uh, a pinning combination and uh, picks up, kind of steals the win right there. So kind of the, the story of the match was like Haas looked great, looks like he was controlling everything, but Eddie's kind of the veteran. And then, of course, the lie cheat. And in this case, steal the win by uh, getting the roll-up. So, you know, it's pretty standard build for the tag match, but I thought the match was uh, entertaining enough, and it just keeps it in your mind. Again, nothing groundbreaking, but pretty solid stuff. So I went two and a quarter, Logan. Yeah, I went two and a quarter as well. I really like the focused, good arm arm work by Haas. Uh, like you said, pull out some good, innovative stuff. I also love the story that the commentary was kind of pushing along that, like, uh, Haas was trying to take out one of their, you know, they have two teams that they have to face. So, um, and Benjamin's going to take on Chavo later in the in the show is what they announced through through this match. So, um, you know, I think the 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 pace and everything that uh, Haas and Benjamin do through these two matches is to kind of weaken at least one of the opponents that they're going to face. So uh, I like that little story that they kind of tried to push along that Haas and Benjamin were going to try to take out at least the Guerrero. So maybe all they had to deal with was uh, Rhino and Benoit when it comes to Sunday at WrestleMania. Um, but I thought it was a really another good back and forth uh, match on the show. Um, and I like the fact that uh, Eddie, of course, had to lie cheat and steal his way to the win. So, um, Good stuff. Yep, I agree. Okay, we see that um, we've seen a lot of him, like I guess, like uh, on location, Cena. But we see that Cena is back in the building this time for his rap. So he's actually in the arena. Um, he based this one uh, around the Karate Kid mostly. My favorite line from this one was, "I, uh, we uh, said uh, my pants are baggy because I work my ass off," which I thought <laughs> was a good line. Um, but he still has his sights set on Brock. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Another good one. I, I kind of they're creative, if nothing else. But yeah, it's all about the Karate Kid. I, I know he had a Mr. Miyagi line in here. Maybe I should just start writing down everything he says and recycling. <laughs> don't hurt yourself. Like I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> oh, this one was pretty good as well. But yeah, completely based around the Karate Kid and a good, good, good few lines in there for sure. All right. We then uh, we go to a. Uh, one of these kind of like little vignettes that they've been doing. So they've been doing for the Guerreros, but this one's on FBI. And we uh, <laughs> we see them shaking down a uh, like a great value Peter Rosenberg like individual. <laughs> so I'm like, but uh, they're like shaking them down for money. Like obviously some uh, mafia reference here. But uh, there's a cool like blur effect. I thought this was really well shot. Like the production quality was pretty good on it. And um, I don't know. I dig this. I always like when they just give. You know, obviously the FBI are not, you know, highest on the card, but just to give them something like some kind of little character stuff to get us, you know, I guess just to think more of them, like and what they're 
what's going on. I don't know. I always dig these little like um, remote vignettes thing. So like the Guerrero's ones I enjoy. And I thought this was pretty good. I mean, like I said, the FBI are not, you know, lighting the world on fire. So Mm -hmm. it's cool. No, yeah, it's good to keep them in your mind. And uh, I noticed uh, Chuck Palumbo's uh, belt buckle in this. I'm pretty sure it was the Cadillac logo from like the vehicles that the little it's on the <laughs> you know the front of uh, all their right. all their cars. But I'm pretty sure his uh, belt buckle was the Cadillac logo. So I thought that was really funny. But yeah, really well shot and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it keeps in, it keeps them in your mind. I really think that's a good idea. Uh, and it was good on whoever uh, put this segment on on SmackDown and got it got it featured there. Uh, all right, we then uh, Josh Matthews is talking to Brock. He has something about Cena, and Brock pretty much uh, dismisses Cena's threats and says that his only concern is the WWE title. And then we go to Taker, who's checking on his buddy Nathan Jones, who's uh, uh, who's supposed to be having his first match, but then Nathan Jones reveals as he opens the door that he has already assaulted his opponent. I think that was that Chuck Palumbo. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, the, yeah, he was supposed the to make jet him. black die job. <laughs> yeah, just that, yeah, he went, he went from the the previous gimmick of his with the absolutely bleach blonde to the stark black uh, hair for sure. But yeah, he had uh, taken him out before his first match. But yeah, right, so <laughs> you will not have the match, and Taker takes him aside, and they have a walk, and he says he's going to tell him what's good and what's bad about what he did. So obviously they want to save him for Mania or, you know, maybe you'd think that, um, I guess the most we got out of this is you get to see him in his gear, kind of what maybe his in-ring presentation is going to be and they're Definitely going for like a very MMA look with him. Like he's got the, um, like the UFC style gloves and the kind of, um, the little short, short tights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We will see eventually. Maybe. Nathan Jones. Possibly. Right. <laughs> Nathan Jones. <laughs> All right. We are still backstage, and now we have with Nydia and Jamie Noble. They're, um, they have some, like, gigantic, I don't know, I guess, like, cardboard replica or something of the Tori Wilson Playboy cover for whatever reason. Nydia sees it, and uh, she asks Jamie Noble, who's prettier, and uh, she gets pissed off because he thinks too long about it, which is like. Uh, Good, and so then he has to try and save face. Uh, she don't hold a candle to you, baby. So, uh, <laughs> so here, uh, Nydia is obviously very jealous, and uh, she says after tonight, she is not going. Uh, Tori's not going to be pretty. So. She's going to have a black eye and one less tooth or something like that. But yeah, yeah just just good Jamie Noble stuff here for sure. <laughs> right? Who you think's pretty? So uh, who's prettier, Jamie? And he just like pauses. <laughs> He's like, uh, oh, 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 God, yeah, of course you, baby. <laughs> All right. And then with that, we get a, uh, we then go to a Tory Playboy promo package. It's all about her shoot. She tells us that it's the uh, the sexiest she's ever looked. And then we also get Stephanie hyping this up. So uh, pretty much like Stephanie talking about Tory's uh, hot body. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, love, I love I uh, love <laughs> I love lesbian horny uh, Stephanie <laughs> here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The fan fiction writes itself in this one. Well, like, somebody has to be excited because uh, Hef would rather be anywhere else than do the interview oh, that yeah. he does. Point. He he is so uninterested. So uh, I think uh, Stephanie had to bring the goods uh, in that one. But yeah, she's definitely a little uh, horny for Tori here. Yeah, she's doing her like brand ambassador thing. It's like mm-hmm. this is such a big moment for WWE. Um, it's so awesome for Tori that she <laughs> got to show her titties in a magazine. 
<laughs> come, sh- come see, come see Tori's titty and beaver in this uh, magazine here. <laughs> I guess it's a better look than if it was like Vince doing. It. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, right. yeah, just still weird, a little weird, but yeah, uh, enjoyable. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we will now go to the actual match. It's going to be Tori versus Nidia. Nidia looking for revenge for, I guess, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Nidia kind of knocks her down for a second, does some poses to mock Tori, and then gets thrown outside. Uh, Taz just randomly starts singing Love on the Rocks by Neil Diamond. <laughs> so it's great. Love on the Rocks. Oh, <laughs> I, I love singing Taz. <laughs> love on the Rocks. Give me a drink. <laughs> uh, uh, Noble ends up tripping Tori. Uh, we get a few more strikes from uh, from Nydia. And Tori comes back at her, and then Tori wins with a uh, a very slow tornado. I called it the tornado-ish DDT. It, it certainly was not the uh, Brian Kendrick tornado DDT. No, definitely DDT. not. <laughs> We'd, uh, it was kind of like a woo, like slow motion, but uh, she ends up winning, which I mean, which is what you expect. But yeah, I mean, the match was just an excuse for them to talk about Playboy. So one star for me. Yeah, I went one star as well. I thought the uh, baseball slide to the chair was pretty sick. So I thought. I- I, I gave it a little extra bump than maybe I would have for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wrote down that the uh, while the DDT was probably good for Tori Wilson, it was not as good as the one earlier in the show. So, um, but yeah, just basic, basically just to get Tori out there, have a women's match on SmackDown. Uh, but, yeah, want to start. Yeah, it was just uh, we had to have a match to go along with the, the Playboy promo. So, mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I, I wondered, like... They haven't really, I think like they mentioned it like once, but they haven't had a whole lot of hype for the uh, Miller Lite cat fight girl. I wonder if like it's not on Peacock or something, like they can't get the rights to Miller Lite or something. Cause it's been, I don't know. I don't know. They haven't really hyped it much. Like, I don't know. They haven't said a whole lot. Maybe it's edited mm-hmm. out. Who knows? All right. You'll we get, it out, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we get, uh, we get show and Albert who see uh, Nathan Jones and they tell him uh, that he's going to have to wait until Sunday to see them. And then a big show makes a uh, offensive prison joke by saying that uh, while he's in prison, Nathan probably spent some time down under. So uh, <laughs> you know what that means? So <laughs> and then we get a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, and then we get Sean O'Hare who they've kind of, tapered back on these but we get a sean o'hara little video where he tells us to eat what we, this one's all about eating that we can eat what we want he's not telling you anything you don't already know what the <laughs> fuck that means oh yeah i don't know it's weird he, he had like shown up for a minute but now <laughs> he disappeared yeah they, they just don't they don't know when or how they want to do with this uh character so and it'll only continue to be that way so um but yeah it's just just, just a kind of a whole failed kind of thing. They, they should have just brought him in and started making him uh, whatever they wanted him to be. But they kind of dip their feet in, and then they're like, nah. And then they kind of bring him back, and it's just it's right. a mess. They're just like, wait a second, what is he? We don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know what we're going for. All right, so we'll go to um, a tag match here. It's going to be Show Train versus uh, Benoit and Rhino. Uh, you get some big lads wrestling with Train and Rhino to start, which I, I kind of dug. Like the minute yeah. that they were in there together, just laying into each other, just big men slapping meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Train is keeping the. Uh, I thought A Train did a good job, like in this one, uh, kind of keeping pace with Benoit and Rhino, 
like for a big guy. I mean, I know Rhino's big too, but like he was going at it with Benoit. Like he didn't seem like out of place here. But uh, Show comes in, tosses Benoit, who uh, doesn't back down from, starts laying in the chops. Show eventually kind of overwhelms him with the size and starts tossing him around. And uh, they really did a good job of getting across this, like Benoit just like fighting for his life. Like Show's all over him. He's much smaller and um, just bumping wildly, like all shows offense. Like he just lands, like all these tosses, he lands like right on the, like flies up in there and lands on his back, like <laughs> horrific, like mm-hmm. right on his tailbone. Um, but Train comes in for a nice body stretch. It's almost like a gory stretch or something, but then he like slammed him almost like uh, our buddy Abyss does on the shock treatment. So I thought it was a pretty mm-hmm. sick move from uh, from old Train here. But uh, Benoit, uh finally gets a breather as he got uh, tri- I thought it was a good like little moment like for a little guy and a big guy like the trip into the corner I thought that was real well done and then um he gets a German on him uh, I like that he had to kind of reach deep down to be able to pick the big man up mm-hmm. and uh tags the man beast who comes in hits a big belly to belly on train and uh, yeah I love the uh the energy of this one like all like I said for having a lot of big guys in here they did not it's like they all met Benoit's pace which I thought was cool so um mm-hmm. as things are reaching a climax though we don't get a definitive finish here as Nathan Jones runs in and uh goes for the DDT he throws some not I hate to be like super critical of everything the guy no, does but you can be <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but but you know for somebody they're trying to see like he's got the MMA gloves on his punches um he was no, uh, you know, he was no Brock Lesnar here. Uh, the pr- the punches did not look super impressive. But uh, train show, isolate him. And, of course, uh, Taker comes in for the save to save his old buddy. And the big boys flop out the ring and uh, bail out. But I thought that match itself was, uh, I was bummed we didn't get a finish. But I still went three on it because I thought for what we saw, I thought it was a pretty banging match. Like, I thought A-Train was real impressive in here. Like, um I thought he hung with them. I thought Show played his role well. Uh, I thought the whole dynamic of the match was good. The hot tack to Rhino was sick. So, I don't know. I was digging this. And uh, Nathan Jones, like, I, he has a good look, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Not, his punches did not impress, which is pretty much all we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two, I went two and three quarters. Um, and, yeah, uh, Nathan's obviously learning uh, his – mentor's uh, pure striking ability as uh, his mentor is the greatest pure striker in WWE history uh, the Undertaker <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so uh, obviously they're not having too many lessons on that um, uh, I can't remember if it's Cole or Taz but somebody goes on a big tirade about how Big Show had recently appeared on the uh, game show Hollywood Squares uh, so it's <laughs> the most 2003 thing I could possibly think of was watching Hollywood Squares on uh, whatever night it came on during the week. Uh, but I, I, do you remember that show at all? I do. I remember always playing like it was one of those like if you stayed home from school sick, like it would come on like mm. before or after Price is Right or something. It was like yeah. that Price is Right soap operas and like talk shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they made it. Apparently, Big Show made an appearance right around this time. So that was the most 2003 thing I could possibly think of. So um, they do the classic shave your back chant at, at A Train to start the match, uh, obviously. But I, I thought it was a really good physical matchup between uh, Rhino and Train to start. Uh, just a lot of stiff stuff, a lot of you know big meaty men slapping meat, like you said. Um, the frying pan chops, uh, the sound that uh, it makes whenever he hits Benoit with them, will uh, never not pop 
top me. I think it's just awesome, and it makes it honestly makes me hurt a little. Feel like my sternum kind of just got knocked in as well. So, um, but yeah, just a really another solid match on this uh, SmackDown. Uh, they had, they've done a few promos, but like all the matches have pretty much delivered so far, outside maybe the women's match. But uh, yeah, like kind of like you said, after the match, it becomes immediately apparent why they may have uh, lost a little bit of faith in uh, Mr. Jones uh, <laughs> as strikes look uh, pretty bad. And uh, there's your uh, outro song, by the way, Mr. Jones. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. but yeah jones and (laughs) nathan jones and taker (laughs) um but yeah two and three quarters two and three quarters really good hoss fight and you wouldn't imagine benoit would be in a hoss fight but he he held his end by hanging in there with the big guys so good stuff right we go to brock and angle who are actually in the locker room and they have a uh a stare down here so um Definitely a little tension here as you're thinking, like, maybe Brock's going to attack him. But we get a very serious Kurt, just like we got very serious Jericho. Um, Kurt here, um, he says that he and Brock are very similar. They're both champions. They're both winners. But the difference is that Brock is a kid. He's 25 years old. He has a big future. And this match is going to change things. It's going to set the bar and change wrestling because they are the best in the business. And even if Angle gets beat, it doesn't matter because he's already done it all. He's won gold medals. This is his fourth WrestleMania. He's um, He's been champion. He's done it all. This is Brock's first, and it may be his last because he Brock has to decide, is he going to be willing to put his career on the line? He's coming full speed at him, and if he gets a chance to injure Brock, he'll do whatever he has to do to win. Um, Brock then comes back at him and says, maybe it took courage that some might think it took uh, Kurt Kurtz to come into his locker room, but it didn't because he's not going to jump him right now. Because when he fights Kurt, he wants it to be for something. He wants it to be for the title. And he says he hopes that uh, Kurt brings everything he has because the title is more important than anything, and he is willing to lay it on the line. He is a kid, but he's a 295-pound kid, and he's going to win. So I thought this was, like, to the point, but I thought it was fantastic. Like, Kurt especially would killed it in his promo. I thought it was so good, mm-hmm. like, like it just really like established like above all like putting himself over like that he is a supreme athlete that you know even in the short time he's been in WWE like besides the gold medals he's come to WWE and like asserted himself and you know won titles and you know become this already is like one of the all time greats so and like just setting the stage for the match and like honestly what Kurt says is not completely it, it's pretty on yeah, point exactly. about them changing things and like how then it go out there and like kind of show that they're like the next generation of this and stuff. But and I thought Brock held his own. I don't think it was as good as Kurtz, but I, I thought he kind of had a decent rebuttal. But to me, it was Kurtz was the highlight. But um, I kind of liked that it wasn't uh, that they did in the locker room away from the crowd because I feel like there would have been more pauses and stuff and they would have had to play to the crowd more. So I kind of liked the intensity. And it's just a change up because they do so many promos in the ring just to have it in the back. So I thought this was great. Like I was kind of caught off guard by how good this was. I mean, I thought Kurt absolutely murdered this promo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really great stuff. And even like, you know, you said he, he alluded to the fact that this was going to be a new style, a new thing, but even like the, you know, he accused Brock of not being, he didn't think he would 
lay it all on the line. And, you know, as you see in the match, he actually really kind of does lay it all on the line. And he risks li- life and limb to be able to beat uh, Angle in that match. So um, it's re- really impressive how, like, intuitive he was to, you know, uh, what, what what would happen in the match uh, as, it, as it happens at WrestleMania. But, um, yeah, I thought Angle stuff was great, but I, I thought I, I really thought Lesnar kind of stayed. Uh, he wasn't phased by the, you know, he. I mm-hmm. felt like Kurt was kind of trying to psych him out, and Lesnar wasn't really phased by it. And I thought he delivered a pretty good promo back at him. But I, I, I'll probably agree with you that Angles was a little bit better because he was really just trying to psych him out and kind of get in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Lesnar kind of held his own mm-hmm. at the same time. So a uh, heck of a promo by both guys, but really good segment yeah. for sure. Right. I didn't think he looked out of his league or anything. Mm, which is, it's good because he's not a guy that's really known for being the greatest talker. So, yeah, it was awesome. I think they've done a good job with these big match, like with the Hogan Vincing of like mm-hmm. kind of building to what kind of match you're because like the Hogan one, they're like, it's going to be a violent fight, which is what it ends up being. This one, they're building it as like these are just going to be like the two top athletes mm-hmm. um, in WWE going at it. And that's kind of what the vibe of their match ends up being. Yeah, and the only thing I would have told Brock to not do is not say Kurt about 500 times. <laughs> you know Kurt? <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> he says Kurt at least 50 times in that promo. I have so, noticed throughout um, this other than that, really long feud. Yeah, throughout this long feud. Yeah, I've heard him say that like 4,000. <laughs> you know Kurt? <laughs> no, you're right. Right, but very good stuff. So um, we didn't get the, the rundown of the Mania card, just going through all the matches by Cole and Taz. Um, we get a Vince training video, so uh, a nice little Shane cameo. We don't get him chasing the chicken, unfortunately, which is a yeah, bummer. <laughs> we just get him um, looking very vascular. I wouldn't even say vascular. I feel like he's, he, first of all, he's working out. He's so red, like he's like a tomato. Yeah. And he's also like, at, he has like a ton of tendons. Like he's so, ten, not even just vascular, but covered in tendons. Like his neck, he's like doing the, um, He's like lifting the weights and his neck is just so like, <laughs> oh my God, it's insane. What a gross human being. <laughs> then you get Mean Gene coming in to put over Hogan and uh, put over Hogan and Vince. And he says that Hogan certainly has the wrestling credentials. So he has to be the slight favorite. So yeah. more Hogan yeah. Vince build. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you you made the mention of Shane. Shane is always in these like training montages that mm-hmm. Vince is in, and he's like not out of shape or anything. But like, I've never thought of him as like a strong like gym guy. And the fact that he like they <laughs> they make him like play that he's training Vince is like, I mean, I know nowadays he's more into like the boxing and kind of the jujitsu and all that kind of stuff, and he's a little bit more muscular and stuff now, but. You know, I guess he just always wore the baseball jersey, so it kind of covered up mm-hmm. everything. But I never really thought of him as like a gym guy or like a mm-hmm. body guy. So it's always weird that they have him train uh, Vince in these things as Vince is gigantic and super muscular. So uh, right, it's not so like he's thought. it's not like he's even really around right now. Like when they mm-hmm. did the one at the Rumble, like at least he was, you know, part of Vince's faction. This is kind of random. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, so we'll get the other side of the uh, the Guerrero in a team angle uh, face-off as we get Shelton versus Chavo. Very similar vibe as the earlier match. Uh, they kind of start off by jockey on the mat. Uh, nice little leg scissors by Chavo. Chavo kind of gets the early advantage, but then Shelton goes um, where Haas went after the arm. Shelton's going to go after the leg. Uh, so they're, they're really pushing that that's sort of the identity of team angle, which I think is cool that, like, 
mm-hmm. that's their thing that these amateur wrestlers they target the body parts and stuff so um like he's pushing his knee into Chavo's calf. Uh, we then we have Eddie and Haas on the outside playing kind of cat and mouse. So we have that going in the background. Uh, Shelton gets like a modified figure four. Chavo gets to the ropes and breaks that. Uh, Chavo starts getting some reversals into some pin attempts. Uh, hits an enziguri into a sunset flip. Um, Haas ends up holding Shelton though, so he can't fall down on the sunset flip. So kind of saves him there. But just like Eddie sort of did earlier, Chavo ends up stealing it with a roll-up, this time the the Mahistra uh, cradle. So, again, they kind of, and I think I think they probably did this purposely, they kind of mirrored each other. It definitely sets up, uh, makes you think the team angle, like we said with Booker, it's hard to believe that team angle would lose both of these matches. It makes you think mm-hmm. that team angles probably got a pretty good shot of winning at the pay-per-view, but uh, they try and get some cheap shots on the Guerrero's after Benoit and Rhino come in and beat them up. So I ended up going two and a quarter. Cause to me, it was a very similar match to the Eddie one we saw earlier. It's similar kind of story that they were going with. So I kind of went with the same rating, but well done. Kind of the same thing we said earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went the exact same score as well. Two and a quarter. Um, as much as I hate Travo uh, overall as a human being and a, just a wrestler in general, I got to say he was pretty all right in this one. He was pretty good. I think he's I think he's all right in this run. I think it's when he turns heel and starts to become like the the face of the or the big heel of the cruiserweight division is when he starts pissing me off. But um, Shelton, uh, like Haas, we we were talking about earlier, does some really good limb work, but Shelton focuses on the knee, like you said. Um, like like you also said, I'm kind of shocked that they beat both tag champs, but uh, they cl- kind of claim that you know Chavo and Eddie both stole the victories by kind of sneaking a, a, a pin in out of nowhere. Uh, so that was kind of their justification, I guess. But yeah, just a, another solid good match. Uh, but uh, yeah, they kind of mirrored the previous match, so it was kind of cool. Um, but it, it was also kind of cool that they uh, focused on a different limb. So that was that was a good little story throughout the night. Right, we had the Cena. He's uh, in the back, seething with his chain, and they're kind of like, "Is he going to call out Brock Lesnar?" So we'll see after the break. But um, we will now go to our, I guess, our main event here, which is going to be Cena versus Rikishi. So um, since I've been doing the pod, it's very fitting that Rikishi like is somehow the the go home match for Mania. Like he's always <laughs> in these odd positions. But and also I was thinking, is this? I can't remember if he had one. I know he's been in like a tag main event, I want to say, but um, I was wondering if this is seen as like first singles main event, technically. Could be. I'm not sure. Like on TV, so Maybe. interesting little uh, little uh, fun trivia there. <laughs> um, very vicious, though, Cena, because this is a return. He's been out for a while. He's been cutting the promos, but it's his return in ring. But uh, very vicious, like throwing Rikishi into the steps. He exposes the barricade, throws him into that. Um, nearly gets the win here with like a rear choke on um, on Rikishi. It looks like Rikishi might fade, but he ends up powering out, drops Cena with a pretty nice Samoan drop. And uh, I'll give credit to Cena. It looked like he really like went after the mat on that one. Like you could, you could tell he came in like he wanted to make an impact on his return here. Like he seems very fired up. Uh, Rikishi has a sidekick. Cena finds himself in the stink face. Uh, uh, but... Um, as Rikishi's going to finish him off with the rump shaker, Cena gets the knees up, knees him right in the butt, and uh, uh, the ref gets bumped, which allows Cena to go grab his chain. 
um, hits Rikishi with the chain. Rikishi somehow kicks out of the chain shot. Mm-hmm. Again, like Rikishi, like the most strangely like protected guy in WWE in this era. But uh, Cena begs him to get up and then hits him with the FU. And uh, I like that they uh, they put over like that he had to get the big guy up. So he kind of strains a bit and then picks up the win on Rikishi, which is not always the easiest feat here on SmackDown. He's kind of like the gatekeeper. So mm-hmm. um, I should I don't know if I said the FU or the AA, but in this point, it's still the FU. But mm-hmm. yeah, my, my only nitpick would be like, I don't like I, I get like. I wouldn't have had Cena take the stink face. I would have let him like do everything else, but I feel like, like I know Rikishi is going to get some offense, but I, I want him to look a little more dominant and overall he did, but I thought like they're trying to push that. He's like serious and vicious. Now I didn't think you needed him to, to do the, the goof spot, but I thought Cena looked great here. Like his offense looked a lot more like purposeful than it has in the past. And he definitely had like a mean streak that he didn't have um, before this return for this little off period. So I went two stars on the match because it's like it's the greatest match, but I thought it accomplished what it was supposed to by like um, as seen as returning. So showing that he's like coming back and he means business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went the exact same score I went to. Um, I thought Cena looked really impressive, like you said. Um, but yeah, the I, I kind of agree with you on the stink face. I think he probably could have gotten away with that. Maybe, you know, gotten the chain there and like the refs maybe view is obstructed and he like punches him in the leg or something to kind of just, uh, you know, bruise him for a little bit and then maybe F you him after that. So I, I could have seen that spot being a little bit unnecessary for the overall part of it is where you're trying to go with Cena. Um, but after he hits him with the chain, we get the uh, Cena kick out shocked face that he is uh, famous for that. He's had all the gifs throughout the years for with the big open <laughs> mouth. And he's like, Oh, you know, so, um, <laughs> uh, and I don't know if this was the first time he came out to basic thugonomics, but he's, uh, at least got some new, I think he's gotten that mm-hmm. pretty recently, the music. So, um, it was good to hear that, uh, tune as he came out and, uh, yeah, always impressive, uh, seeing him lift up the big guys for the FU and considering this is the first one, it was cool to see him, but, out the new move on a really big guy uh, to start out with. But yeah, like I said, I went to as well. Yeah, I thought it was an impressive return for him. So, um, but he grabs the mic, he calls out Brock. Brock doesn't show up. Um, and he says, Do you still think I'm a joke? Uh, still no Brock. So he says he's going to go and find him. Um, definitely makes it seem like after Mania, they're they're moving towards a Brock Cena thing. So a real big spot for, for Cena if that is where they go. But um, we then get one last Limp Biscuit video hype package. Uh, we get Arnold Schwarzenegger putting it over. Wrestle, it's WrestleMania. He talks about the Vince thing. He's very, he seems to be very pro Vince here. Like yeah. he's like, you know, <laughs> Vince is responsible for WWE success. So, but he does think Hogan's going to win the match. He thinks Hogan's the better wrestler, but that Vince, if they're going off of, uh, you know, who made WWE, he seems firmly on Vince's side. So, just one last bit of like you know, full-on WrestleMania hype here. Yeah, I was just, I thought this was really weird. Uh, Arnold talking so highly <laughs> of Vince. Uh, you know, everybody always shits on him, so it's really weird to hear somebody actually be like, oh, yeah, he's a great man. He was very, he's very important for the success of WWE, but uh, obviously he's not a wrestler, so I'm going to go with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he talks so much good about Vince, and then he picks uh, Hogan right. at the very end. So, WrestleMania yeah, just is a, the greatest kind of a weird in all one. of entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, just weird, weird, weird stuff, but funny at the same time. All right, all in. 
<laughs> of course, we hear we hear crack addict here, and then uh, we actually end again. This is a good little trivia piece that uh, the last thing you see that Cena is involved in the last thing before WrestleMania mm-hmm. 19 is that uh, we go to Cena. He finally finds Brock in the back. They start to go at it, and then Angle quickly sneaks up behind Brock and smashes a two by four over him. And they uh, they push that maybe he re-injured Brock's rib. So we're left with that as our final little piece going into WrestleMania. So um, we wrap up SmackDown with that. But I thought, you know, for like it really was like uneventful because not a whole lot happened. But I thought this is a pretty good SmackDown because we had some really good promos in here. I thought Hogan's was good. Um, The Kurt uh, Brock stuff was good. I thought the Cena return was really well done. Um, we had that fun opener. So like, like, it's not like they did any real big stuff to build mania, but I thought it was all really effective in what they were doing. Like I said, they don't, they weren't at the point where they really had to build much anymore. It was just kind of like making sure everything stayed hot. I thought it was really effective at doing that. So I actually went six out of 10 on this one. Yeah, I went six out of 10 as well. Like you said, and not, not a ton of, uh, storyline stuff really, really, really went through, but a lot of good matches, uh, and a few good promos here and there, but, um, I think, uh, I think Raw did a little bit better of job of pushing all that, but I think they needed to. I think that was part of what Raw was struggling with uh, leading up to this. So I think they did a really good job of realizing that they maybe needed to push things a little bit forward. And, you mm-hmm. know, SmackDown might have already been there and were just kind of, you know, they, they put what they needed to put out there and they did it really well. So, um, but yeah, I think Raw may have may have needed to do that a little bit more and they and they hit it out of the park. So. Good stuff on both shows, but yeah, I'll go six as well on SmackDown. Right. All right. So we will, we'll get to some quick awards here. So, um, best match here I had, uh, it was close, but I went with the, uh, the Booker and, um, the Booker Goldust and, uh, Triple H Flair tag team match. Yeah, that, that one was really good, but I, I actually went with the Cruiser mm-hmm. tag to open SmackDown, so I, and the least shocking yeah. uh, award of all awards <laughs> for me, so. <laughs> right. It was close, definitely close. For yeah, sure. yeah, But yeah, uh, sure. Best moment, I think I got to go. It was, You know, it was close, though. I really dug that angle promo, but the rock concert was just like a, a classic. Yeah, the rock concert's an all-timer, so you had to go with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, best show, it was Raw, but I, I think especially considering – you have that rock concert. I thought SmackDown came pretty close, but I had to give it to Raw this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I feel like Raw doesn't win these very often. So uh, when they actually do pretty well, you have to you you pretty much have to give it to them. So yeah, Raw for sure. LVP I thought was tough on these. I thought most people kind of did their job. Yeah, I'll go with Sean O'Hare. No, wait, let's go with Nathan Jones for his <laughs> terrible punches. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I had him down originally, and then I thought about it, and so I went with any champion that was not named Matt Hardy, because every champion that was in a match lost <laughs> other, other than Matt Hardy, so Matt Hardy is uh, exempt from this, and every other champion is not good. They all lost. <laughs> very, very humble. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, MVP, gotta go with Rock. Yeah, Rock was a uh, layup for sure. Uh, my other standouts, my top five, I had Angle for sure. I thought Cena. I thought he looked great in his return. Brock, uh, Booker had some great shine. And I also went Jericho because I thought that was a great promo. 
Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, I went Booker, Lesnar, Cena, Angle, uh, like you did. And I actually did the combination of uh, Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore. So mm. I gave them a little shout out. So, But Jericho was also a very good pick uh, by you. Yeah. But I gave a little love to Hardy and Moore there. I could go Kendrick, too. I've been very Yeah, Kendrick, too. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, a lot, most guys love it here. I don't think anybody's really stinking it up. Like I said, I think it helped that Raw. We had an episode of Raw where they didn't throw out the the mavens and the Tommy dreamers of the world to, you know, exactly. <laughs> think out the joint. Like, I was like, we got Stevie, but that was about it from the stinker side of things. So, right. But, well, I'm glad to have had you for this final push to what some would call the greatest WrestleMania of all time, Logan. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to, um, tell us about the podcast that I mostly, that you mostly do that we do together? <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about this? How about I to say the ones that we don't do together and you can hit all the ones that we do together? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, the sa- the Salad Family Wrestling and Popcorn uh, will be recording the next episode of the Wrestling Variety uh, on Starcade 97. We'll be doing that pretty soon. Um, and Popcorn Chicken Salad, I think we're doing a wedding singer. I don't know exactly when we're going to record that one, but it's coming up. Um, Starflations, one that I do with Ben and Callum, where we go through Dave Meltzer's five-star matches and kind of re-rank them based on his seven-star scale now. Um, and then Who's Next is one that I do with Andy uh, talking about current day NXT. Uh, and then, but I'm on every episode, and we talk about the Dangerous Alliance um, uh, whole storyline and all, all how they got there and all the stuff that happens. Uh, throughout that storyline and maybe how it ends eventually when we get there, but that's all the stuff I got. <laughs> yep. And we talk about TNA over on highway to the impact zone on the place to be wrestling feed. And as we do YouTube roulette where we watch a bunch of random stuff, um, usually Terry Funk, uh, uh, Stan Hansen and uh, <laughs> Kevin Thorne seems to be the, uh, yeah, the I see for some reason, Kevin Thorne, but <laughs> I don't know if it's dropped yet, but I yeah, I joined you guys. Um, I do the pay-per-views with you guys on So Much of Danger, which is a lot of fun. Well, I don't know exactly when it's dropping, but we did the uh, the famous Battle Bowl, uh, the original Battle Bowl, which was a lot of fun to talk through. Our bat- Battle Bowl, um, as uh, Sean yeah. had to call it the whole time on the last right. one. So. <laughs> and Scott Shiflett's undying love for that show. Absolutely. <laughs> But again, thanks for coming on. As for me, I will be back to cover uh, WrestleMania 19. Going to do a little bit differently. Uh, It's going to be, we do something a little different, hopefully, kind of fun for WrestleMania 19, kind of change up the format a bit because it is a big milestone show for me. So uh, be looking forward to that. Um, So in a couple weeks, we'll get that rolling and uh, cover WrestleMania 19. So uh, to many, the greatest. So. All right, so I'll hope to see you then, Um, uh, you crack addicts. I will see you then, and uh, yeah, see you next time on the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast.
Big star. 